Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. We're two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hey, Kieran. Hey, Eve. You're loud this week. <laughs> I, I was leaning close to the mic. Also, well, okay. like, yeah. <laughs> also, I went to get a massage on my birthday, which was also my shot day. And like, wait, 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 hang on. Happy fucking birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. You were saying about, yes, you know, so, self-care yeah. stuff. Yes. I went to get a massage on my birthday and my birthday was also my shot day. So I like had my shot. I went to school. I did ballet and then I did my other class and then I went and I got a massage and like, after I woke up from the massage, like my voice had dropped like three <laughs> octaves. And I was trying to talk and I was like, words are lower than they should be. And I tried to like accommodate for it by like moving my voice higher and making it less loud. But I don't know if that worked, but it was just like something about the way we were massaging opened up like my vocal cords suddenly. Well, <laughs> and it just plummeted. Second puberty is super fun and cute. Yeah. You you do it well, but also like holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. It's so much. Speaking of uh solar returns and stuff like that, have you been obsessing over Channing Nicholas's Spotify playlists and like her horoscopes and everything like everybody else in the queer community? No, because I don't use Spotify. Oh, okay. But so. you have you do you read her her weekly horoscopes? Um not intentionally, but I have been looking at whatever it is that pops up in my Google feed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been reading her stuff for a couple of years now, and I, I, I had this this gag of a conversation that I watched happen, I guess it was yesterday, on Twitter, where um, I used to write for The Friendly Atheist back in the day when I was like first starting out. Um because I'm an agnostic and a woman and queer, and he wanted to diversify his list a little bit. But <laughs> so Hemet Meta of the Friendly Atheist like retweeted Jenny Nicholas and her, her usual comment about it's Mercury retrograde, not Mercury in retrograde. <laughs> and he just like threw shade at her being like a certified astrologer and was just like basically doing his like, I'm an atheist shit. Uh, toward every religion that he does right. toward astrology as if it was a religion which i thought was really funny because that's kind of like how we grew up seeing this stuff yeah that's true and it was also like super evil and devious and like i don't remember exactly what would happen to you if you like believed in astrology but i'm pretty sure you'd become demon possessed i remember i remember chick tracks talking about like if you dabble in the occult it was all labeled under the occult you know you would definitely become demon possessed i feel like there's something in a a frank peretti novel about this too but um anyway uh along these lines we have our wonderful guest nate craddock on here hey everyone hello nate you're you're a weirdo. You're you're. Um, I mean, that, that's why we're having you on. We're having you on because we are weirdos and we like weirdos. But you're you're queer. Mm-hmm. You're formerly fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. You're a priest and you're an astrologer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? Yes. Wait. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Let's talk. All right. So where do we start with that? I mean, I guess I should start by saying, yes, all, all four of those observations are correct. And uh, if I am demon-possessed, I assure you, it's not because of astrology. It's, I mean, I've done plenty of other stuff to wind You're up already under the influence of the, uh, of the enemy. I've given him plenty of is it, beca- is, it beca- is it because of the gay sex? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the gay it. sex. It's yeah. the gay sex. Just, oh, man. Okay. Okay, but like before we get going, can you just give us the spark notes on like your background here? Like how did you how the hell did you get here? How did how did I get here? That's a yeah. Um so yeah, basically I grew up United Methodist pastor's kid when I was maybe like 7 or 8 years old. 
I started looking at my newspaper horoscopes, and I think I told my mom at one point, like, oh, the newspaper horoscope said today was going to be a good day. And then she gave me this lecture about how horoscopes are dark-sided and so on, and banned me from reading them, thereby ensuring <laughs> that I would do everything in my power to continue to access them. Right. Um, as it happens, classic, and, you know, classic fundy parent move. I love my mom dearly. She came around on Harry Potter, which is how I knew she would come around on gay Holy marriage, shit. and she's eventually <laughs> going to come around that on astrology. That is a tell. That is a <laughs> huge <laughs> tell. <laughs> so, <laughs> one step at a time here. Um, but yeah, so I I was not homeschooled, but I went to homeschool graduate school, namely a private. Christian liberal arts college in a small town in Kentucky. Um, and then, so I was a music major and had like a couple of mystical experiences during college that I interpreted as, well, obviously I'm supposed to go to seminary. And then there was this whole thing <laughs> that I wasn't aware of, like, oh, Nate, you're trying to go to seminary to turn straight and it's not going to work out for you. But of course Aww. I can say that in hindsight. Um, I did what the whole, a classic, classic journey. Classic. Um, did the whole reparative therapy thing, um, went through like, kind of like a Mark Driscollite Calvinist phase when I realized. Does that finally, explain your haircut? Oh, wait, maybe sorry. a little bit. I don't listen. <laughs> no, this is just <laughs> what we call, <laughs> this is what we call the daddy. And when you turn 30, you have to get this haircut if you're a gay man. Um, oh, oh, I just thought... <laughs> unless that, you're like, balding, in which guy, case, then you just have to shave it all off. I just thought that, like, the hipster um, Mars Hill Pastor Bros, like, stylized it, and then the alt-right picked it up, and, like, and then everybody else picked it up. Maybe, I don't know. I don't... I'm not really a, a coiffure scholar. Okay, sorry. So, um, <laughs> that was a total sidebar. But I realized after coming out that the main reason I was into Mark Driscoll is because I wanted him to choke me. Um, uh, and the, uh, yeah, I'm so, sure he'd be good at that. Oh my God, please. Right. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> um, I'm just going to drink some wine from my Jesus mug for a second. I mean, I probably want Elizabeth Elliot to spank me and nobody else. Ever, <laughs> <laughs> projecting our, projecting our stuff onto, uh, onto leaders in the movements that were the most toxic in our lives. Perfect. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Crap, where was I going? So, yes, I um, came out, got divorced from my beard marriage, and um, mm -hmm. realized... So I, I tweeted something earlier this week on my main account, and it perfectly encapsulates how I ended up where the hell I am right now. Let me find it. Hang on. Some of you have never had to reconstruct your entire theological schema after a life-altering crisis of identity and spend the subsequent years fighting for your right to exist within the tradition of your upbringing, and it shows. Um, oh, yeah, no, that's not familiar at all. <laughs> no, I have no experience with Really? This. Oh my god. I know. This is so you know what? I'm huh. still so mad about losing my church in DC. I can't even get that going to this. We had to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that tweet was born out of um, the situation with the United Methodist Church happening this week, and the situation that just happened with me professionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you, you you lost your job as a pastor lost because you're too gay. Too gay. So. I'm adding this to my resume, was so Shitless. gay that I caused an open and affirming congregation in the United Church of Christ to no longer be open and affirming. Oh my god. <laughs> that is, that is, like, you need a trophy? I need at least a t-shirt. Like, too gay yeah. for the west side. Yes. Um, <laughs> too, gay, too gay for my church and then all I got was yeah. a crappy t-shirt. But to wind yes. it back a little bit from January, which, I mean, is not really related to astrology, just to me being loud and insisting that church should be a safe place for everyone and we should probably tell people that we should you know, that we're trying to do this, but they, they didn't want to do that because they're a bunch of, I'm, I'm not going to say anything uncharitable. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so this like life altering crisis thing happened summer 2012, right? Just get out of my uh, reparative therapy marriage, have a couple of like moments of you know, surviving an attempt content warning and um, mm. dealing with some other stuff in that sense and really having to dig into everything that I 
had believed to that point and everything that had buoyed me to that point. And I realized that like 98% of it was, was like, I could just pull the plug on right then. Cause it wasn't working anymore. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't serving. And it was mm-hmm. at that point that I started once again, reading my, um, it just out of sheer curiosity at that point, I was like, anything's allowed now. <laughs> right. um, yeah. That was how I came across astrology too. Right. So I started, uh, reading my monthly column from, um, Susan Miller's astrology zone, which is, oh, I think, man. I think is one of the widest read monthly columns out there. And like, that's all she as does. As long as she can put out, as long as she can put it out. Then right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, Susan Miller is like a prolific writer who is always like a week late on her first of the month, you know, monthly horoscopes. Right. But she also has like super intense health issues and her fans are mean to her about it. Like, stop. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, like a tiny cult that is about to like consume its leader. Right. It's, um, it's like the Bacchae. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I started reading my monthly column and like, seeing some things that were lining up and it, it was just kind of a <laughs> slippery slope from there. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and around, I would say February, March of 2017, I got the bug and I just said, this is something that I want to learn more about. So I got a copy of Parker's astrology. I started listening to the astrology podcast with Chris Brennan. And what you need to know about me, dear listeners, is that I don't half-ass anything if I get in, if I get honestly interested in something, I will go hard on it. I'm, I'm not content just to read a couple of Wikipedia articles. I'm, I want to know everything that I can about a given thing. And so that was just like, I started that deep dive. Then I started taking classes um, that fall and even started reading for people on a donation basis or like just a, Hey, can I practice on your chart? Mm -hmm. Um, and pretty quickly transitioned from that into, um, seeing people professionally, um, seeing clients professionally. And at this point where I'm sitting now, I'm deriving, um, my livelihood from it, which is a really, (laughs) it is not where I expected to be at this point in my (laughs) life, but here I am and I love it. It is, um, I'll, I'll just say this at the top of the show, like this is something that unites all of the good parts of what I conceive of as ministry. So sitting with people in the midst of their crises, in the midst of their decisions, in the midst of their griefs, all of that stuff and helping them to tell their story, you know, using a shared language that we have and that language is astrology. So I was telling someone today, like an astrology consultation with me is maybe like 35% astrology, 65% spiritual direction, that kind of thing. That's, that's quite a journey. And I remember meeting you um, when you were just getting practicing and like, I, I kind of have this, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an astrologer. I am an amateur who. I, I kind of know how to suss out who's who's legit and who's not um, because I, I've been interested in it for long enough, but I don't really do it myself because um, I've been so focused on other things like surviving and, you know, finding jobs and getting into school and writing this book. But mm-hmm. when I got reading from you, it was so thorough. I was like, oh, hello, this guy is legit. Like, this is not just a... This is not just someone who is using a whole lot of, like, cliches and tropes and stuff to, like, fill space. This is someone who has, like, done the math and is translating it back to me, hmm. um, which has been fun. So that's my little vote of confidence in me. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate yeah, for the that. class who, who doesn't know what, like, an astrology reading session thing looks like, what what does that look like? It depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, it, sure. It, it's um, but like, what's your intake? What do you, what do you ask <laughs> What's people? my intake? <laughs> um, so aside from the, the normal demographic data, I, so one of the, I'll, I'll just preface as well. One of the things I've been working really hard to do has been to create equal access to astrology. So I have, um, I have one offering that's priced 
um, for people who have budget restrictions. And I also have entries on my, on my intake form for gender pronouns and for access needs. So those kinds of things are really important to me. And it, that's not something that you find a lot of with more established practitioners. So I'm trying to build my practice from the ground up with that kind of person-centered mm-hmm. approach um, right at the forefront. When you come into a session with me, I have already done the preparatory work. I've already drawn your chart. I've done all the math that I need to do. And I've, I've kind of sketched out some notes, some interpretive notes to, to shape our conversation. But I always give you the floor and I say, what, what brings you to my laptop screen <laughs> this morning, <laughs> this afternoon? Because I do all of my... Um, I do all of my practice for the most part over video conferencing. Um, what's your pinch point right now? What's going on? What What's happening in your life that you've gone to someone outside of the mainstream? Like you're not bringing this to your therapist. You're not bringing this to your spiritual leader figure, whoever that may be. You're not bringing this to a mentor. You're bringing this to a stranger mm-hmm. who uses the stars to <laughs> give you insight <laughs> as to your situation what's happening and then using different significations and I'll use different techniques or different approaches to the chart based on what we want to look at. But it's really about leading a conversation with that person and helping, helping them to figure out how to tell their story in their own language in a really reflective way. Um, It's not cold reading. And that's one of the things that is often thrown at astrologers as a critique is like, oh, you're just cold reading the clients. No, No. (laughs) I'm leading a conversation with them. And I think another thing people often assume going into an astrological consultation is that I'll be able to tell you everything about you from your chart. I'll probably maybe be able to tell mm, 15 to 20% of your story based on the chart alone. You're the one who fills in the details because if you think of what an astrological chart is or what your birth chart is, it's like a piece of sheet music. And yeah, we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to pause on that real fast sure. and like explain to listeners who don't know anything about sun signs, rising signs, moon okay. signs, like okay. all this stuff. Because everybody, I you know, all of the people who casually interact with astrology, all they think is mm-hmm. sun sign. Um, that's it. And it's, that's so general and that's so inaccurate. Um, but I'd love for you to like take a couple seconds to explain why real fast. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, if you think of sun sign astrology, you're thinking of what you often see in a newspaper column where December 22nd to January 22nd is Capricorn. If you're born somewhere within that range, you're a Capricorn and so on. Um, so that's like, preschool level of astrology mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like as as simple as you can make it and it, sun sign columns are written in such a way that they can be mass produced really astrology as it is practiced by actual astrologers is much more individualized to the person the reason for that is that everybody has a unique birth chart everybody has a moment in time where they came into existence. And what an astrologer does with their techniques, with their math, um, is to interpret the sky as it was at the moment of your birth. That includes interpreting the sun, where the sun was. So yes, if you were born on January 10th, the sun is in Capricorn, and you are a Capricorn. But if you, but it's, <laughs> but it's like trying to analyze someone's personality by just looking at the first letter of their name, exactly, right? as opposed to like the entire combination yes. of the letters, right? Exactly. So yeah, what an astrologer is doing is looking at the whole picture, all of the planets, all of the local space relationships that are present in uh, in that moment where you come into the world, and those moments where things come into the world are what astrologers are paying attention to. It's about time. It's about cycles. It's about the stories that are in play at the juncture where you now enter into the story. And so in that sense, we're using astrology as a storytelling technology. So it gets much, 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 much more complicated than just, you're born in January. It's going to be a good Mm -hmm. day for you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
Yeah, for sure. So what do what's the difference, I guess, between like rising and ascending and uh there's other ones. Because like my my knowledge of astrology is very limited. I'm like, I am a Pisces. I know that I have I'm a shit ton of water. Mm-hmm. I had a chart up somewhere, but I forgot where it went. Right. It's on my other computer. Yeah, so there's a bunch of, of water signs and also some air signs, but I I'm not completely sure on what the difference between like my sun sign and my ascending and rising and the houses. There's houses. Yeah, there are houses. <laughs> so, well, it's not like Harry Potter. Right? Yeah, it's not I'm like, like Harry this Potter. isn't Hogwarts, so I don't. It's not. <laughs> um, the reality is, is that I could spend thirty minutes on each of those. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to like completely <laughs> train wreck our time limit here by going on <laughs> too many tangents. But basically, all of those places you named are different points of data that we would look at to define. Um, to define the overall arc of your life's plot. Um, essentially, the sun sign is where the sun was when you were born. The moon sign is where the moon's the moon was when you were born. And your ascendant or your rising sign, those are the same things, are the uh, that is the sign that was coming up over the eastern horizon at the very moment of your birth. And that's the most important place in an astrological chart. That's the most important place relative to you as an individual. It's not your sun. It's not your moon. It's your rising sign. Uh, because- and that's why, like, Chani Nicholas, when she puts up her, her horoscopes, she's always like, read your rising sign. Don't read your sun sign. Right. There's a whole conversation there about like the efficacy of um, horoscope columns like that, which is is a different approach to astrology than the astrological consultation setting where you're sitting down with someone and going into all of these data points in great detail to draw out the narratives that are there. But um, sun sign astrology has kept astrology popular. And so those of us who practice the the heavy-duty stuff owe a debt of gratitude to what Christopher Rindstrom calls trash astrology, like sun sign columns like that. And Christopher Rindstrom, like, trash astrology is not a pejorative term. It is, but he also adopts it for his own work. He, he knows that it's mass market content. So this is like the stuff yeah. you see in the newspaper yeah. every Sunday with next to the funnies. This is like Chani Nicholas's um, Spotify playlist. Like that falls yeah. under the heading of pop astrology or trash astrology, yeah. whatever you want to call it. That's not a bad thing. Like that's keeping it accessible. That's keeping it available to a broader public. Whereas, you know, the the people who are really obsessed with all the rules and all the history and translating things from Latin and Greek and Arabic and um, Sanskrit and knowing all of the the delicate intricacies of how all the rules work and all of that like they're great at that but that doesn't mean that they're able to find a great audience for that kind of thing because it's really niche so so maybe what we should segue into next is like talking about myths about astrology both like popular like general ones and then ones that we grew up with in christianity because i mean we talked about like chick tracks and like the occult and like how this is like the same thing as like you know uh witchcraft which is you know the next best thing to rebellion and you know rebellious stuns and witches should be stoned and all that good stuff (laughs) so like um you know this is why king saul lost the the kingdom because he consulted a medium like all that stuff like um what else did you grow up with kieran about this what were you familiar with uh I like mostly it was just like witchcraft. So like I it was just completely shut down and like it was evil and bad, but I wasn't allowed any further information about it. I didn't really like look into it until after I moved out and was like it was part of like, oh, I want to find out like what all these things are. So I was mm-hmm. like, what's my sign? What's my uh Myers-Briggs? Like I just kind of like did all of those things. But like growing up, it was just sort of like astrology was it was it was at the same level of like Ouija boards and like just like general occult like you you just don't mm-hmm. don't deal with that. That's just 
evil and bad and you'll probably be possessed somehow. I wonder if there's a story to draw out there. I just had this thought while you were speaking is the extent to which really fundamentalist households prevent their children from any means of self-knowledge, any means of integration or self-differentiation. And I'm painting with a broad brush here based on my experience, which is not by any means as severe as the experiences I'm sure you and some of your listeners encountered um, with your upbringings. But there is uh, the, the comment, the question, the, the thought that I have is I think that there's some sense to which folks who come out of those backgrounds and then get into things like astrology or get into witchcraft are really mm-hmm. in some ways that's a route to them reclaiming some sense of agency in their life. And I yes. think that's, that that's the important developmental motion happening there. For me, um, getting interested in, in astrology and tarot was kind of like, I hit this wall where I, my PTSD made it impossible for me to go to church or read the Bible anymore. Mm, I just like would get migraines and shut down and dissociate and it was really bad. And so I, I I was looking for some other practice to Mm. be using to kind of center myself um, at the beginning or the end of a day, something that would put me like kind of in touch with like my place as, small in the universe because I I feel like it's really easy for me and my particular set of anxieties to get really, um, you know, to obsess over doing the right thing and, like, the consequences of that feel very large. And so when I feel smaller in the context of, like, the, the, you know, grand drama of of time and history in the universe, like, Mm -hmm. it makes me feel less anxious about, you know, making choices. Yeah. So I needed something that would help with that kind of stuff. And so I um, had a friend who was like, you know, I think you'd be a natural tarot. You're, it's like the same thing as, he, he was like, it's the same thing as what you do with reading poems. Um, how you how you are looking for the images and the, the, the associations and how you're interpreting and explicating poetry is how you would be reading tarot cards. And um, you're really good at that. So why don't you just like try that to to, like fill this hole? And so I I was doing that and I was doing and I was doing yoga. And then I had a friend who is um, pretty good amateur at astrology. And they got me um, kind of curious about more. And I just kept reading and, you know, you never you never really stop. But it was always this like, I'm going to stop this when I when it seems to be like consistently wrong like not correct, not accurate, or I'm going to stop this when it stops feeling useful or, or, or positive. And it's never stopped. So I just kept going. <laughs> yeah. That's legit. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So we're going in the direction of myths about astrology in Christian circles. Is that where we were? Going? Yeah. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear yeah. in there. And I don't think it's just like specifically in Christian circles, mm-hmm. but like there's a whole lot of like superstition about it. I mean, I was telling you guys before we got started about, like, my host parents in Kyrgyzstan, like, love them to death. The moment they figured out that I read tarot, like, they would start being like, okay, okay, well, I have a question for you. Cover, <laughs> close your curtains. We don't want the neighbors to see. Like, I have a question. And my host dad would walk through the room. And he'd be like, oh, you're doing this again. This is bullshit. And he'd come back. And he'd look again and be like, anything interesting? And then he'd leave and he'd come back and he'd be like, okay, I have a question. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like that is kind of like the larger universe, like socially. Like I think a mm-hmm. lot of people are really skeptical, but also really curious at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the, the first thing to say is that everyone, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, has an astrology. <laughs> If you have any relationship to the sky, you have an astrology. Every culture has had some way of relating to the sky. And Western tradition, the Western astrological tradition that's given us the kind of um, popular astrology as well as some of the advanced stuff that we have now, descends from Babylon and Egypt via Greece. Um, It's related to Indian astrologies. And there's a lot of Western astrological tradition that's related to... uh, Neoplatonism and that tradition of philosophy. Astrology didn't really become about psychology until the turn of the 20th century. So I think some of the myths that 
it's made strange bedfellows out of religious fundamentalists and atheist fundamentalists <laughs> because the, <Yes>. the, <laughs> the two pronged approach that people always take. And I've heard, I've heard both arguments from religious fundamentalists. I've only heard one from atheist fundamentalists, but it's either it's of the devil or it doesn't work. Right. But those are mm-hmm. the two things that you have to deal with. And okay, let's define the terms. <laughs> Which is like that there was the same argument around Myers Briggs where it's right. just like Yeah. Yep. Like this was somebody something some woman cooked up at home and it doesn't mean anything. There's no science to prove it. Right. Right. <laughs> Which like, okay, fine. Is not true because uh, Myers and Briggs derived the uh, the material that they turned into the Myers Briggs type indicator from Carl Jung, who was an astrologer as well as a psychoanalyst. And Jung was drawing very heavily on the work of the Florentine priest and astrologer Marsilio Ficino. So, just a sidebar: I'm in really good company as as a priest and astrologer. Uh, we've kind of been running Western Europe. Uh, for good or for ill. <laughs> oh, so you're the actual Illuminati? No, not really. I I'm not oh, okay. that high up on the food chain. Um, <laughs> although I did appear in someone's um someone's one of my friends has an astrology YouTube channel and somebody so I talk wildly with my hands and somebody commented, "Why does he make that gesture all that time? It must be because he's an Illuminatus." Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> No, he said Illuminati, and then I commented to correct him, and I said, um, sis, actually, the uh, the singular <laughs> form is Illuminatus. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so the myths around astrology, I'll come at these from the religious fundamentalism myths. Um, one, the the idea that astrology is of the devil. I think that there is a lot of polemic around this. And if you think back to the Hebrew Bible, if you think back to the provenance of that collection of texts and to the provenance of the New Testament to a certain extent, think of the people who were writing those texts, right? They, by and large, were people who had experiences of being colonized and who had experiences of being enslaved and exiled. Um, So if we're coming at it from that historical angle, who are the civilizations that uh, the Hebrews that Israel were enslaved or colonized by? Babylon, Egypt, Rome. Oh, all the astrologers. <laughs> all the astrologers, right? And Caesar Augustus used astrology famously um, as a Capricorn to legitimate his rule or to legitimize his uh, his right to be the emperor. And mm-hmm. that... That's one of the reasons why the uh, Magi narrative in the Gospel of Matthew is so important from a textual standpoint, because it's basically the author of Matthew saying, fuck you, Caesar Augustus. (laughs) We've got an emperor, too. It doesn't suck. Um, (laughs) Astrology's on our side also. (laughs) On our side also. But that's the thing. Like Astrology is platform agnostic. Anyone can use it. Anyone can make access of it, which is why it's so great for marginalized people to have as part of their toolkit. Well, I think that's part of why it's always so interesting when people are like, I don't believe in astrology. And Mm -hmm. I I kind of often want to be like, yeah, well, that's fine. Astrology believes in you. (laughs) (laughs) um, Because like, it's like, and which is funny because that's the kind of instinct that I would have had as a fundamentalist Christian mm-hmm. where like, I don't believe in God. Well, cool. God believes in you. Like right. it's the same, it's the same turnabout, but it's, it's like, so how is it different? I guess is where I'm, maybe what I'm asking. That's actually a really good question. And I think that's something to think with because, well, the one thing astrology has going for it that fundamentalist Christianity doesn't is that we can actually see the sun and the moon we know they exist. <laughs> the other we thing, have never been there. Oh, we wait, can, we have been. We have. <laughs> we have the been moon landing was fake. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, keep going, keep going. <laughs> How is that that dogma of, like, astrology believes in you? Like, that kind of, like, it doesn't matter if you be- don't believe in it, like, because it's just okay. physics or facts. Like, how yeah, do you, yeah, how yeah, do you yeah. get around that? So, I think it's not even... For me, that's not even the right question to be asking, um, and, and I don't think it's necessarily that helpful of a discussion. I think that if you, it comes down to the question of epistemology. What is it that you stand on? What what are your assumptions about the world and the way that the world works? 
where do you land with those things? And if your epistemology does not have room for um, things like synchronicity, things like cyclical timing, things like... Um, um, seasons. Things like seasons. Um, things like <laughs> the trajectory of life being narratival rather than... Or, or the trajectory of life, the trajectory of existence having a narrative, having a telos, having a, a directionality to it, and you're just like, everything that happens is a random consequence of random interactions of random atoms all the way back so to kind, the So kind of everything Jung was mm-hmm. getting into, if you will. Right. Or if you believe that everything that happens is predetermined by God and God would not allow any bad thing to happen and everything that happens is ordained by God, like there's no room for the weird blend of fate and fortune and free will that astrology tracks with, right? There's no room for that weird space where we are able to participate with the universe in writing our own stories, in deriving meaning for ourselves and meaning for external events through that process. And that's the space that astrology, as it is practiced in the Western and in the Indian and in the Chinese astrological traditions primarily, that's the space that those traditions occupy. But again, to get back to everyone has an astrology, even if you believe that the planets and the stars have no impact whatsoever on human life, one, you're demonstrably wrong because if you go to work when it's daylight out, (laughs) the stars have an impact on your behavior. And two, um, that's still an astrology. That's still something that you – that is your – astrological epistemology that is your approach to the stars which is perfectly valid and legitimate like everyone's astrology is legitimate in some way but these unique traditions of um, astrology as practiced through the hellenistic tradition into the western tradition and the other cultural astrologies that do use the sky to ascribe meaning and directionality to the course of events that are unfolding in history and unfolding in our personal lives and in our subjective experiences, that's where astrology, when we when we are thinking generally of the word astrology, that's where that lands. And I think that's something that, I don't know if it's quite the same thing as saying that, well, even if you don't believe in astrology, astrology believes in you. I don't really know that that's the same thing, but maybe I I'm, might be missing like a connecting step here that I haven't quite thought through. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of it is, is more how astrology is dictated by our interactions with visible phenomenon mm-hmm. and interpreting them. Right. And that's something that every person does at some level mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily a a religious practice to do so but it is definitely a spiritual practice to do so and so on some level every human is having some sort of spiritual interaction with how they ascribe yes. meaning to their lives hmm, yeah, um yeah and so it doesn't matter which route you choose on that it just you know there is there is going to be some interaction between you and astrology, whether or not you're aware of it, mm-hmm. um, along those lines. For me, the the way I describe this or react to how I would react to this, like if I was talking to my mom or, for, for example, who is adamantly like, don't talk to me about that stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bless her. She's like, she's not telling me I'm going to hell because of it, but she's just like, keep it out of my house. I would be like, look, I use tarot and I use astrology to look for um, ways I am interacting with my reality and might be overlooking something. Mm-hmm. So I am like, okay, so I've like got this situation in mind and I've looked at it 10 dozen different ways and I only see one way forward, or only two ways forward, and I feel like I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. Let me do some meditative practice right. to like try to turn it upside down, turn it sideways, look at it from a different angle. And so when I pull tarot cards, like it's like how do I create a narrative around this question based off of these images and what's the, what are the connections here and how, what am I missing? What might I not be considering? Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think astrology 
works for me personally in a lot of the same way where it's like yeah but you you're not considering like how like right you know like you're bringing this additional aggressiveness to the situation that you might not normally be and like you should think about that and like you know modulate yourself Mm -hmm. or whatever it is like there's there's it's basically like looking at what i'm overlooking i think that what you're describing is in some way tangential to the way that I've come to believe how astrology works um, in terms of the, uh, the, the mechanics of it. And it requires the assumption that the universe is conscious in some way, that we as mm-hmm. humans are the universe observing itself. Um, and I think one of the ways that astrology works is that, or, or one of the quirks of astrology is that, it, or there's a higher probability of it working in a precise way for you if you have the willingness to consider whatever it is that could be presented to you in the astrological moment. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, when you're doing horary, uh, which is my particular specialty, horary is a divinatory form of astrology that uses the moment a question is asked and understood by the astrologer to uh, generate a chart for a question that is then read, basically like a tarot spread or something like that. Um, But being open to whatever incoming wisdom you're searching for in whatever form, I think is one of the things that um, gives you, (laughs) gives you better gas mileage when you're approaching astrology (laughs) for sure. Um, But that's not to say that it doesn't work if you don't, if you don't air quotes, believe in it. I really don't like, I don't even like saying believe in astrology that, that to me feels like a misappellation. Um, If you are not, Walking in step with it. Oh God, that that even sounds. Oh my God, you just went to pastor speak. Don't do it. I'm Ew. sorry. I'm, I'm, okay, you're 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 evicted now. You can't come back on the podcast ever. <laughs> oh God. Wash your mouth out with soap and come back and tell me what you did wrong. <laughs> Forgive me, Eve, um, for I have <laughs> fucked up. I done goofed. <laughs> Um, um, listen, until a month ago, I was doing that day in and day out, so I'm, it's taking some time to get out of that. I guess code that's, that's, that's fair. <laughs> code, switching, code switching is hard. Code it's switching. very hard. Yep. Oh, I didn't even talk about it's of the devil. God. I just oh, went yeah. straight to dealing with, like, <laughs> materialist with critiques of questions. astrology. Yes. And, and <laughs> materialism is not a good epistemology. The end, I said it. Um, but that's not what this episode is about. Is astrology of the devil? Well, one, who's the devil? What do you mean when you say devil? What do you mean when you are engaging with any kind of, um, astrological practice? The reality is that astrology is practiced by like, I would say 95% of a professional astrologers is not anywhere even approaching the realm of, um, what could even be classified as magical practice. Mm-hmm. I happen to be friends with a lot of astrologers for who astrology is an integral component of their magical practice. Um, and if we want to describe what magic is, if we want to keep uh, describing our terms, if that's where the of the devil component comes from, um, I think the concern is that astrology, well, for Augustine, like he knew astrology worked, like that wasn't the issue. The issue is that the information was coming from unauthorized sources. And so that kind of unauthorized source thing is part of it. And and I think that argument, that at least has some logical structure to it. That makes a little bit of sense. Like, okay, I can see where you're coming from. If you think humans shouldn't have access to this data, that makes sense. Okay, fine, whatever. However, <laughs> um, the reality is that, um, as Christopher Rindstrom says, the biggest corporate sponsor of astrology was the church until about the 1600s. Um, the church needed to know when the uh, vernal equinox was. They needed to set the date for Easter. They needed to know when to launch crusades. They needed to know when to install popes. They needed to know all of these things, and who do you think they had working for them but the astrologers in the university? 
So there's a long history of the church and astrology. When did they when did they get divorced? Uh, really around the time of the Enlightenment, um, when the church was really starting to scramble with the questions of modernity and say like, oh, we need to become relevant. But then even in the even in the 1900s, you get people like Tyler de Chardin, who was a, a Jesuit scholar, writer, uh, teacher, astrologer saying like all of like all of this is interconnected like the whole ball of wax fits together astrology mm-hmm. our spirit um human society it, it all runs together and so that that's following the church into modernity and i think part of the reason that astrology has been especially vilified within american protestantism is because uh, of the close association between astrology and catholics Mm-hmm. and astrology and outsiders which made it a yeah, really easy target for white nationalists in the american south in the late 19th century and of course we know that fundamental christianity has long been in bed with white nationalism in the american okay south. so wait wait you're what you're telling us and i'm gonna want receipts from this but i love this is mm-hmm. that like all of our upbringing terror of astrology being of the devil is just another part of how our parents were inducting us into white supremacy early and often. Yes. To a certain extent. I'm not. Yes. <laughs> I just love, I just love it. Yeah. It's I'm, just like, it's like every single. You're like shocked. Every episode. It's just like, and it all comes back and to how evangelicals to... are racist. Yep. Basically. The yeah. end. Oh, the other thing too. If you don't believe in magic, if you don't believe in astrological magic, then why the hell do you go to church on a Sunday? That's a fucking spell. <laughs> Going communion, to church on a communion. Su- communion right? is a spell. Communion is a spell. I mean, it it fits yep. within the anthropological category of apotropaic ritual magic, right? You're sacrificing the bread and the wine so that you yourself are not sacrificed. And even the like the, the Orthodox Church acknowledges <laughs> that, like, guys, this is magic. Come on. Like, Which, they'll like, never say that. Bless, but it's, bless it's them. The Orthodox Church, like, actually knows what the, what's up. And I think that's probably why they have, like, you know, crying icons and stuff, because the mm-hmm. universe is more in tune with them. But <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit. That's my, I the, love that's my, that's my whole, like, other, like, uh, you know, stuff. fan, fi- right. fan fiction yes. about the, Greek, the Orthodox Church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I, I so if you think of, oh, okay, one of the other things that I'm interested in is, interested in is African traditional religions, especially Santeria and Vodou, and those are of course um, Afro-Cuban offshoots from African traditional religions, and the reason that Vodou has the stigma that it has is because of. White supremacy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the only successful slave revolt ever uh, during the age of imperialism was the slave revolt in Haiti, which was inaugurated by a major Vodou celebration. And so, like, anything that is tangential to Vodou, which is a nature-based religion, like if you watch a if you watch a Vodou ceremony, it is indistinguishable from like a Pentecostal church where people are falling out. Right, they're they're um, dancing. And just they're like singing. a quick a quick sidebar, yeah. if you like, this is for our listeners. If you haven't like reread the history of that revolt in Haiti and what happened afterward, um, since you left, you know, homeschooling or fundamentalism, really go and mm-hmm. look at that again, and then look at modern day calculations of the reparations that Haiti had to pay to France. Mm-hmm. After that, it's, it's in the billions of dollars, and that is why Haiti is so poor today. Okay, I'm done. Right. And if you want a good history of that, written from the perspective of a Vaudouisant practitioner, definitely um, get a copy of Haitian Vodou, V O D O U, by Mambo Chida Tan. Um, I'll, we'll put that in the show notes for you as well. And that's a digression, but that's really just another <laughs> illustration of how white supremacy has made an enemy of the occult because the reality is that a lot of occult practices were also used to establish white supremacy in the first place. Who here yeah. knows who John D was? Not me. Not you. No. John D was Queen Elizabeth's court astrologer. And John D 
was the founder of a system. The first, of, not the second, right? Yes, Queen Elizabeth the first. <laughs> Although it would kill me if Elizabeth the second had a corgi named John D. Could you imagine? Oh my god! I, I mean, after Diana, I, like I would be surprised be. if she didn't have a court astrologer. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, well, you know who did have a court astrologer? Ronald Reagan. Well, yeah, you guys know I, about he, that, right? If you guys, if, and if you guys want a a really weird episode of um, history lesson that's like very astrology skeptical, go listen to Robert Evans behind the bastards episode on that because he's got a deep dive into that. Oh yeah, history. Um, it's great. Yeah. So again, when I said astrology is platform agnostic, it's used by Ronald Reagan too, and by imperialism. So like, we better take this technology back while we can. <laughs> Um, But yeah, basically John Dee, who was an astrologer and a magician, had a series of visions in which the Archangel Michael came to him and basically gave him this whole plan for creating an English empire that was Christian. And he put the bug into Queen Elizabeth's ear of creating an English empire. And um, yeah, so like that was astrology that was magic and if we want to like if we want to say like that sounds like it's of the devil i don't know that sounds like it's of the devil to me <laughs> but um, <laughs> of the white devil um yes but yeah so that's uh it, it's there wherever there are plays of power wherever there are social movements happening magic and astrology are always 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 attached to them and that's even the case in the Old Testament as well. In, in the Hebrew Bible, that's also the case in the New Testament. You know, um, there are... I mean, there's like all the sacrifices mm-hmm. at the inauguration of a king and mm-hmm. all of the traditions like around the birth of a child. Like if right. you look at the, if you look at the old Levitical code, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's high octane spell work. Yeah. There's so many. Oh yeah. There's so many feasts and like things that are actual and rituals. So much blood. And so much so blood. Many. And things. what a lot of fundamentalists yeah. want to forget about is that um, the Israelite religion pre Babylon was henotheist, um, and they also practiced human sacrifice. That is a scholarly fact, and I can give you the receipts for that. <laughs> um, Please do. I will. <laughs> We'll link that article in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, but, and there's like some really compelling textual evidence that a lot of, like there were some redactions to the way that um, human sacrifice and divinatory practices were talked about in the Hebrew scriptures. Wait, wait, you mean that the people in power changed the record so that they would look better? Uh, yeah, there's pretty strong scholarly evidence oh for that. Oh my god, they've never, they've never done Shocked. that before. This is the first time I've heard of that happening right. in history. I hope I'm not, like, <laughs> responsible for someone having an entire crisis, but <laughs> I imagine that people who are listening to this podcast have already had their crisis. <laughs> yeah, if um, you're listening to this and you haven't had your crisis, like, I'll give you Nate's phone number, you can call him and book a reading me. <laughs> yeah, and, yes, please do, because I like to pay my bills. I mean, I don't like to, but I have to. Um, yeah, I feel that so hard. Yeah, so there's this whole sociocultural thing that follows um, whenever we're talking about any kind of astrology, any kind of magic, any any moment where we're where people are trying to take the reins back on their own agency. And I think science, even or scientism, is even a a symptom of this as well. Because if you, I'm making some generalizations here. But it is one of the ways in which people can take the reins back on their own agency, right? Like the um, the way that science attempts to engage with questions of progress and of human progress. And shouldn't we be living in utopia now? We're not. <laughs> uh, we haven't reached Star Trek yet. We haven't reached Star Trek yet. Hoverboards um, are still, like, really hard to access. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like, and they're kind of disappointing. (laughs) They're not cool. I don't have a jetpack. Right. I signed up for a better future. I don't know what is happening right now, but it's not the one I signed up for. Okay, so like, okay, this this brings me to I think our which has to be our last question for the show. Um, is this why like we're all like so disillusioned about the promises of capitalism for a generation, like? As millennials, is this why all of the like queer millennials are super into astrology right now? Because they got rejected from the church, so they have nothing else to turn to, and like this is a new thing. Yes, and also because Neptune is in Pisces right now. 
Um, okay, why don't you explain that? <laughs> so Neptune takes about a hundred and something. I want to say one hundred and fifty something, but that's probably not right. Years to go around the zodiac, and every time Neptune is in Pisces, we get a resurgence of some kind of religious fervor or spiritualism or something. The last time that Neptune was in Pisces was uh, around the beginning of the spiritualist craze in. Um, in England, and that saw the beginnings of things like theosophy and things like the entrance of Eastern religions and uh, astrology and things like karma and reincarnation into the conversation within Western contexts. Now we've got that same mm-hmm. configuration happening again, and this is one of the benefits of learning how to think astrologically is that you're able to begin seeing cycles when they're happening Um, it's like a kaleidoscope it's mm -hmm. like how did it match up last time oh here we go again exactly exactly so another great example um uranus has just or will by the end of this month go into taurus again and the last time that you're on the it goes back into taurus on the 10th doesn't it i thought it was later but maybe not um, I'm going to look it up. It dipped into Taurus a little bit last year, but the last time that Uranus was in Taurus was in the lead up to the Great Depression. Um, Taurus is related uh, to all things material, to matters of finance and to wealth. And the uh, so, the, of course, the lead up to the Great Depression was a major mundane systemic thing that happened. It was not one sudden event, but... Um, Uranus is a planet of instability and of revolution. So just as the Great Depression revolutionized our approach to money and to finance and it brought about the New Deal, we're getting that same kind of configuration now, especially with the cycles being as they are. And and I can talk at much longer length about this, but um, learning how to think with these cycles helps you to see that history is, in fact, cyclical, even if it is progressing in some ways. There are things that come back to the fore. There are things that come back to um, a national and international discourse. There are things like millennials and queer people really getting into alternative spiritualities right now, which is a movement. It is an important moment that's happening right now because um, by the way uranus goes back into taurus on the 6th of march on the 6th of march which wow. is the day after mercury stations retrograde that's gonna be cute fun uh, times cool okay wait wait hang on so i kind of have a, a general idea of what that would imply mm-hmm. but for our listeners what what do you see that meaning like what do you see that converging what mercury stations retrograde the day before Uranus moves back into Taurus. So you know all the upheaval that's happening with people doing their taxes this year? Where they're having to... uh, uh, Where they are (laughs) learning (laughs) to their chagrin that they owe several thousand more dollars than they thought they did? That's like... That's like a little pimple inside the entire (laughs) psoriasis outbreak that is going to be impacting our relationship to money and our relationship to our history with money over the next several years. So suddenly, suddenly we're going to realize like our relationship to money had like miscommunications and misunderstandings Mm -hmm. and we got conned. Right. To say the least. Yeah. So Mercury is so close into the sun that his influences are more fleeting. Um, But Mm -hmm. Uranus is one of the planets that moves much more slowly. And so Uranus is, synchronicities uranus's stories take longer to tell whereas mercury stations retrograde several times a year Uh, mercury retrograde traditionally that if you know any astrological jargon you probably know that Um, it is when mercury is closest to the earth and it is when mercury appears to be moving backwards in the sky because of the configuration of the earth's orbit to mercury's orbit but basically that usually coincides with a lot of difficult in terms of communications, difficulty with electronics, um, things having to be renegotiated, delays in paperwork. It's really not a great thing for tax time. <laughs> and we're really um, seeing this I, play out. Yeah. I am under, uh, under the impression that people whose natal Mercury was station retrograde mm-hmm. um, have less of a hard time during Mercury retrograde. Con- Is that correct? Uh, conceptually, yes. There are several lines of argument for that. Um, just that, like, 
when Mercury is retrograde, if you have Mercury retrograde in your natal chart or your birth chart, like the current space weather comports better with the space weather at the moment of your birth. So it's a little bit of an energy that you're kind of used to dealing with. Um, for example, I have Mars retrograde in my birth chart. And when Mars was retrograde in my chart last summer, I actually had a great time, but a lot of people didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. For me, like if Mars, Mars is retrograde, I'm like, oh, I hate everything. I can't communicate. <laughs> sucks. But like yeah. for, for me, my, my Mercury is retrograde in my birth chart. And so I'm always a little bit like, huh, I'm watching everybody around me put out fires, but I'm that dog with a cup of coffee being like, this is fine. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And of course, at the end of the day, astrology, after all, this is what it actually is. It's actually a ploy to get queer people to be good at math. Um. <laughs> Wait, what? So how how does that work? How, <laughs> Karen how? is like, I'm interested. <laughs> Wait, hold on. So, <laughs> is this gonna help me with my math in school? Go learn to calculate a chart by hand, and you will have done more math than you've done since like high school algebra. Um, that's that's <laughs> how you're I assuming. Oh you're God. assuming that we did high school algebra. <laughs> that's that's like an assumption. Such a low but, bar. Um, <laughs> It, it is a bar that does not exist. And those are like the easiest calculations to do. Once you get into things like primary directions or secondary progressions or some of the more advanced techniques, you have to be it, like, if you're not using a computer to help you, you have to be able to do um, s- spherical trigonometry. Like it's not, Oh God. it's not easy. And that's why astrology was a university discipline. Like you have to have a lot of education to even be able to approach the basic calculation techniques. Well, it's like, it's languages and mm-hmm. math. It's right. It, it, you right. have to have both. Right. You absolutely have to have both. And you also have to have the good sense to be able to interpret the data that you're working with, <laughs> which yeah. is why uh, astronomy or astrology was one of the liberal arts in the uh, trivium quadrivium scheme. But I bet mm-hmm. those of you who are in liberal arts homeschool didn't learn astrology. And if so, you got cheated. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I mean, we all knew we got cheated, but are, are we figuring out how we got cheated? Mm. Yeah, but basically. yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, Karen, do you have any other questions for Nate? No, my mind is just like that's so much deeper than I've had like the time to go through and learn myself. And so now I'm like, oh man, there's this whole mm. other world. And apparently, my ascending is Scorpio, and I have Pluto and Jupiter in retrograde. I just decided to pull up my chart because why? Well, well, thank you so much. My goodness. You're very welcome. We're going to put our links up in the blog post. Um, We'll have a link to Nate's website and you can find him on Twitter at at Ryan Caradog. R-Y-A-N-C-A-R-A-D-O-G. What else do you have to plug for us? Um, Yeah, so find me on Twitter. Connect with me there. Go to my website soulfriendastrology.com um there's also a couple of books that i would recommend to you if you're interested in in more of like the psychology and the archetypal nature of astrology uh thomas moore's books the planets within and care of the soul are fantastic as is richard tarnas's cosmos and psyche um if you're interested in more of the relationship of astrology astronomy and the church especially around the time of the enlightenment there's a great book called the the sun and the church cathedrals as solar observatories by jl heilbronn um Two articles to plug. There is a great article that Heather Dockray wrote on Mashable titled Astrology is Booming and It's Queerer Than Ever. Um, So the link to that will be there. And then also there's an interview my friend Jen Zart did with Christopher Rindstrom on Trash Astrology, uh, which is a lot of fun. And there's a link to that as well. So I hope you enjoy those resources for sure. The last thing I want to plug is that I am in the middle of planning and launching a podcast of my own, uh, which is going to be for people who are doing reclaiming, reconstructing, and decolonizing work on their own traditions, but are also getting there by way of spooky stuff like astrology and magic and alternative spiritual practices and that sort of thing. So if you have any interest in that, definitely connect with me on Twitter, uh, sign up for my newsletter on my website, um, and you will definitely be the first to know when that is getting ready to launch. 
Sweet. Cannot I'm wait. I'm so excited about that. Um, the music you hear on this episode is Janet from the album Stenazzo by the Heavens. And if you want to support the podcast, you can do it through our Patreon, uh, which is Kitchen Table Cult Pod. You can ask us a question or follow us on the internet or find any of the other information on our website, which is kitchentablecult.com. And to help us out, um, it's really important. I know that even if you're not listening to this on Apple Podcasts, it's really helpful for ratings and stuff to get visibility through um, rating and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts. So we just go there, give us a five-star you know, review and, and tell us how much you love us. And um, thank you so much for your support. And if you want to financially help support us for this work that we're, we're doing as you know, freelance, you know, writers and activists and thinkers, um, join our Patreon, send us some dollars, the price of a cup of coffee every month, you you get 24 hours early access to um, every episode and some other goodies. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.